0: The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material. Presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Rich.
1: I'm Vanessa. I'm Jess.
0: You know, if I could figure out how the unmute button works,
2: I could probably have said... This is Jim Pinto. How's it
0: going, guys? Oh, Jim. <laughs> Dear God. This this was a surprise to me. This was a surprise to everybody but Jess. Is that correct? What?
1: How did Jim get here? I don't understand. What?
0: Tapping Jim. kids? Hi, Jim. Dude.
3: I, good I to not some see things. you. <laughs>
2: I figured you guys knew who it was going to be when she...
3: No. Yeah. I, you uh,
2: know, Jessie, Jessie's she
0: connected. She's connected. Yeah. yeah. It, it would have been really, really hard to guess. Well, also unscrupulous, so it could have been fucking anybody. I mean, ah, that seriously, I believe.
2: <laughs> that part I believe. I don't know if she's connected. Some, but I some she's dude not
0: I've never met that she met a coffee shop yesterday. <laughs> and was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do a podcast. It could happen. So you know, I was there, um, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you guys just keep trusting me. So well, it was actually
0: good to good to hear from you. I was thinking about reaching out and see if you wanted to talk about anything because we hadn't done a little while. Yeah,
2: it's been a while. I so haven't that really been doing podcasts with
0: anybody. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, I don't know necessarily if you had anything. Usually, it's like I reach out and say, "So, Jim, do you have anything you want to promote right now?" <laughs> because that is, of course, the you know the 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 pinnacle of the media enterprise is to find somebody that really wants to talk to you because they got something to talk about. I don't really feel like Jim needs that because <laughs> we have plenty of fun talking about fucking nothing for two hours. Yeah, 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 definitely. But uh, I'm going to be at a convention in August and
2: they want me to do a panel on game design and on world building. And I'm really excited about doing that rather than talking about what I make, talking to people and helping them.
0: And sounds like fun stuff.
1: Are you going to build the world on the spot right there like you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. That's
0: the way to do it the way do anything like that. Um, do you know, uh, oh, well, you do know, obviously you didn't say, and you may have a reason for not saying what convention or where you're talking about. It's
2: called Mar- MaricopaCon. It's in <laughs> Phoenix, which <laughs> I'm not looking forward to going to Phoenix in August.
0: It, does it say going to the desert in August? I love it. Yeah,
1: That sounds awful.
2: I just found out today they have flying scorpions, so I'm hoping to never be outdoors.
1: Did mm. you just say That's flying scorpions?
4: Way. I did.
3: That I did. sounds Very terrifying.
1: Easy.
4: No. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: At least it's not Australian house spiders.
4: <laughs> you know, spiders literally the size of a house.
1: I don't know.
0: You see those memes, and I just don't know if I'm convinced. But I don't want to test it. Truth?
3: <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't
0: want to go and visit
2: just to just to find out it's real.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, that's that's actually by far the fun, the, the scarier thing I think. So my Let's new see.
2: fetish is watching videos of crocodiles g- being killed by other animals because crocodiles are such jerks. <laughs> to see an elephant or a hippo <laughs> taken down is just it's so satisfying. <laughs> Not that I'm into watching animals get
1: <laughs> crocodiles. Hippos are jerks too though. I, yeah. They're, yeah, they're, yeah they're territorial jerks. They are. And,
2: but to watch them work together and take out a crocodile that's just there to eat little hippos, yeah, that's wow.
1: I I have been spending an obnoxious amount of time watching sea turtles eat jellyfish. I didn't know that no, was a really, thing. Yeah, okay, well, you got. You've got to find some sea turtles eating jellyfish videos. It's yeah. so good watching the sea turtle. It, it boggles the jellyfish. mind.
0: You 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 start to imagine it as soon as you say it. Like, yeah, <laughs> what angle is this taken here? This is okay. Mm, these is, it, jellyfish is, it, are really is it literally spicy. what I'm picturing? Oh wait, that's is, not,
4: is that I it? That uh, venom oh <laughs> it's <not spice>. a <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs>
2: shocking
3: yeah
2: once shocking. you've had a taste of jellyfish how do you go back to regular hey. <laughs> Exactly.
3: <laughs> i mean i have like three different angles of this playing in my head one of them is watching like th- from an outside perspective another one's like a gopro on the turtle's head like there's there's nice. a lot going on here <laughs>
0: And is there like a slurping side, kind of? But you know, you so also
3: have the, from the jellyfish's perspective, is, where you just see all of the like weird ch- inside the turtle's
1: mouth, just kind of going around it. It's it's No,
0: Vanessa, you're weird. I am um, weird.
1: Yeah. Can a jellyfish feel itself getting rent into pieces? I, I don't know any jellyfish.
0: Is that really a question <laughs> we need to answer? I'm, I think I'm Doesn't pretty safe. scream
3: not. on the way down? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if
4: I can get a government grant out of it, I'm in. <laughs> uh,
0: Phoenix is like nine and a half hours from me, or I'd come see you, Jim. That's a lot of driving.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Oh uh, come on, I'm
1: it's closer still than Kansas City. Moneyless. Was. No uh, so
3: why is it people from the
2: Midwest can't possibly conceive of getting on a plane? It's always how far it is to drive somewhere.
0: <laughs> because I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, you the, all, the only planes they have are smaller than my bedroom. I don't I want have that.
1: A, I have an airport down the block and I
2: still drive everywhere. <laughs> right. I was looking into buying a house in the middle of nowhere um, mm-hmm. for my retirement years and also just to finish out writing and things like that. And I was looking, and the closest city was Wichita. Oh, wow. And Wichita was six hours away. So I thought,
0: Sounds about right.
2: What a horrible distance to drive just to get to a Costco.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least I'm only about two and a half hours from Colorado Springs. I mean, it could I mean- be a lot worse.
1: If you only go to Costco once every three months, it's not so bad. But then yeah.
2: it- Just got to rent an 18-wheeler to get everything I need.
0: and a, fr- and a Yeah, something with a freezer in it, obviously. Yeah.
1: Because
0: yeah. Nothing, nothing refrigerated is going to be in really great, unless you have a lot of big coolers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Costco. Yeah, um, I, it's funny because uh, I, we've talked about this. Uh, my brother and I are planning to do a Vegas trip, uh, hopefully in early March. That's when his birthday is. I wanted to see Penn and Teller for years, and so yeah, it's a lot of fun. I went. Jesse's I got to go. been. I know. I, got, I know. I got the
1: special seats and everything because uh, I kick-started uh, Penn Jillette's the, movie. The movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I great. know. I've heard it all before. I and it. I was depressed then. No, I'm wasn't depressed. I was really excited for you. Um, I uh, I, I I want to see him before one of them dies, and they're trying. I mean, Teller trying to, to die. Tell <laughs> Teller tele- had a heart attack in like November. Oh, or did he really? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He's doing. He's doing fine now. I guess they're performing again. But it's like uh eventually, you know, it won't be an option anymore, you know. So I wanna I wanna do that. My brother's been before and you know, of course he loved the show, so uh and he likes Vegas. I, I have no terribly huge interest except that I've never been, so it'd be fun to go oh, once. Wow. You know. Um
2: Well, amazing buffets in Vegas. The only reason I go to Vegas is to drive the cars because there's a racetrack out there.
0: Nice. There's a there's a
2: gun range where you can rent a really big, powerful guns if you want to. <laughs> And the, the food, you go for those three things, you know. Well, I'm down Endless for the food.
1: mimosas. I I don't mind raiders just bringing me mimosas until th- I die.
3: I do like <laughs> a good mimosa.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, and Cirque <clears throat> du Soleil,
2: they have so many different Cirque, Cirque du Soleil oh, in gosh. Vegas. There's I think there's 87.
3: Holy now.
0: moly! See, and I've been I've been fortunate to see Cirque before and uh, on tour, and uh, that was the thing my mom had always been wanting to do in Vegas, and we had talked about it for years, and then of course she dies on me. But yeah, you know, I just at least I, at least I moved a little closer. It's actually a drive for me now instead of if I if I wanted to take the car and have my car, which I have mixed feelings about. As a, as a person who drove Uber for a few years, I have no qualm with taking a ride everywhere I need to if I need to. And I don't think to get to a lot of the attractions of Vegas, I got to go very far.
1: Yeah, you but, don't want a car in Vegas,
0: but. Don't. But we were going to meet there. I was going to fly in. My brother was going to fly in. We were going to meet there. But he realized at some point that that means he wouldn't get to spend any time on his vacation with uh, his sister in law and his nephew. And so he wants to come out here and hang out with Jonica for a couple of days because they got pretty tight when we went up and visited for a couple of weeks. We went up to Portland that time, and Jim was sick, so we couldn't go see him. Fuck you, man. Just make it really hard to be your friend. Um,
3: <laughs> so mean. <laughs> it's
0: like, Jesus. well, you know, Jesse Jesse goes up there for random conventions. Is like, let's have lunch, Jim. And I'm like, you know, I, I spent two weeks up there in Portland, only just two hours away or something. Three well, hours I around, was I in
1: Seattle. There's a difference I know, between I know. Portland and Seattle. A big, yeah, just a, big a couple hours. Heart. And you um, wanted to
2: see me during COVID at the height of COVID. Uh, it wasn't
1: yeah, the
0: height. True. It was April. It was like April of 2021. I mean,
2: it, it was, it was okay, yeah, it's yeah, the height of, of COVID. The We're f- the Mecca. We're the Mecca. This is where it started.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> as far as the States was concerned. Yeah. Um, patient zero was in your midst, right? Yep. No. Yeah. It wasn't ideal, it, but it was a trip we could take only because of circumstances that COVID had helped make. So I was like, well, you know what? What the fuck? Um, we had a good time, but my brother and I want to go to Vegas, and that's that's kind of on our plan. But now we're talking about doing the drive, you know, and he's perfectly fine with having a car there and doing all that. So I'm like, okay, if you want to do all the driving, I'm fine, whatever. Um, and pay for parking because <laughs> I just imagine yeah. that's going to be mm. a thing
1: finding parking and paying pa- finding for
0: parking. finding parking. Well, we may have to park at one end of town, and just walk or Uber everywhere else. I don't know. Uh, but you know, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. We have a uh, email. Yeah, yep. Um, and so when we get emails, we forward them to Jesse. Yay. Now to be perfectly fair uh, because I I've, I've had to have con uh, a couple conversations or a conversation briefly through email with the writer of the email uh, in the time since. he actually sent this in November. And because right. of our holiday schedule, we've only had two shows since then that we recorded. And one of them was all talking about the OGL stuff uh, a couple weeks ago, which we that's just like, I don't want to talk about anything like that. I really want to talk about during that bullshit. So and the other
3: one yeah. was Midwest Game Fest recap.
0: <laughs> yeah. The other one was a yeah, interview with Brad and all that stuff. Like, OK, so um, let's hear it, Jess.
1: All right. Uh it's from Tad. I don't know if you said Tad's name. Oh my god. Got we Tad. got
4: Jim on the show after Tad wrote this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Wait till we get <laughs> into more,
1: Okay. Maybe even intentional. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've been tricked.
1: <laughs>
0: Oh no. No, Uh, no. Yes and no. Let me say this before you read
2: the letter. I like Tad, but I may not after this. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. You
4: you will.
1: Says, hey guys and gals, here's what I've got in response to your recent requests for emails with two broad subjects. I'm going to read it out of order. Second, I've always been much more successful as a GM of one shots than of campaigns. I've never been able to sustain a campaign. That's probably most down to motivation and the responsibility of getting people together on a regular basis. But supposing I want to run something long-term, I have found the pitch step to be a little tough. My only group right now has two strong GMs in it, so it's okay for the pitches I've done to not be taken up by the group, but feedback has made me wonder how I'd need to pitch if I were trying to start another group perhaps on the Metagamers Anonymous Discord or the Patreon Conclave. Either my pitch doesn't seem to have enough, like pick a system that supports your idea at least, and what would adventures actually do in this world? Or it has too much. I talked a bit about what I think my first session or so would be about. It's too many abouts in that sentence, sorry, Tad. Or there's too much Pinto in it. (laughs) When you're making a campaign pitch to a group, how do you explain your idea and get players interested without giving the impression you've pre-written the whole plot? Maybe discuss generally how to get to session zero. Then I'm going back to the first point. Uh, First, I've enjoyed recent episodes and thought the campaign models Odyssey was pretty good.
0: Just may, maybe you want would to go ahead it? first. We'll go ahead and okay. talk about that okay. subject Sounds separately because I know the first, the first part of the email is kind of a completely different yeah. topic. And he had a postscript on there too that ex, that expressed something about the
1: right PS. If you have confusion about too much pinto in it, <laughs> I pitched Fairview. A couple players bec- uh, became very w- wary when they found, found out Jim wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't understand that at get all. get that. No idea. I don't yeah, get
3: that's it. Funny. That's I don't awesome. know who's in his
4: group, so I don't know. Right? When, yeah. So, what I, did yeah. you do to them, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they lack creativity.
1: Well, my problem with uh, giving advice on how to pitch a campaign is that um, normally it's just the people I'm going to run the p- campaign for trust me, so I don't have to really well, work too hard on the pitch.
3: <laughs> trust is a you thing. Uh-
1: <laughs>
0: and as I as I recall, in the situation where I saw you do it, it was very much sort of a "Hey, I'm going to run something, and I'm not really going to tell you guys anymore about it because we're going to figure it out as we go," and the people involved went, "Yay! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun." And it was a very kind of collaborative experiment, anyway. Um, but yeah, and and you don't. I mean, you've run some campaign stuff though for other groups, right, Jess? Me? You've yeah, done, yeah um, You've done some longer. I mean, I'm games, currently whatever. running a campaign. Are you? Okay. My problem I is, is I don't. To. I don't like. Uh,
1: I I have in the past generally not liked running a full like twenty level campaign with all the same people because uh, I just get bored I want it to end like I really like succinct endings which is nothing, to nothing the wrong stories. with
4: stories I love endings uh,
1: right?
4: I,
0: my um, my experience uh, over the years has been that there's some groups that will thrive on the whole we're gonna do this for you know I, I used to plan all my campaigns to be like a two year kind of stretch knowing my group at the time and that I had like a weekly session right so this is a two- year plan and they always went three or four uh, which was fine with that group. I mean, that's exactly what they wanted or, or were accustomed to by then. But there are other, you know, um, people that I've gamed with, especially in recent years when we've been focusing on trying other games and other systems and stuff. And uh, then there were a lot of like when I was running the conventions, especially kind of in the middle of years of running the convention, there would be like huge breaks I'd have to take from running games because I just didn't have the time to plan them. And so other people would step in and run short campaigns and that I've, I've learned that there's a lot of fun and value to that too. Just running, you know, I plan this out. It's going to go six sessions. It's going to go 10 sessions like that. Presumably. Yeah. Again, I'm not actually good at planning that way. Usually whatever I, whatever I think it's going to be, I have to double by the time it's done. Um, Fucking role players. Just, stop talking you know it, but it's it's great it's it's uh it, it's 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 rewarding for me in a way that the one-shot games aren't but there's nothing obviously wrong with that it's just a question of what you enjoy and what your mentality is pitching it though I, i'm i've got an unfair advantage <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. i too many installed player groups you know too many people that just want a game with us hey guys
3: you know? i'm gonna run this who's open on this day me The the most
0: I've got to worry about right now is somebody going, oh, another Savage Worlds game? or You You should
3: totally run another Savage Worlds game. I'm on board with this.
0: I will always run another Savage Worlds game.
4: So if you were pitching to a group that didn't just want to hop on the back of the elephant and see where it took them, (laughs) and maybe would like to know at least what the next station is that the rails are going to, How exactly, what elements would you put in that pitch to keep it still simple? Because you don't want a pitch that's like, you know, 12 paragraphs long. That's ridiculous. Nobody's going to read that. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to put it down to two
2: paragraphs? I wouldn't even bother mentioning the system. I would say this is the setting we're going to do, or this is the the tone, the theme, the motif, whatever. And I say, here are what your expectations should be. And uh, this is how much agency everybody's going to have. And if you address those first, it doesn't matter what the system is because you've already got everybody invested in what it is. And you have to let them know what their characters are going to be, right? Yeah. Because that defines everything. It's one of the things I've learned about re- marketing writing for my various Games is here's who you are in this setting. Because if I make a fantasy setting and I say you're a nobody peasant, that I can do the same setting and say you're going to be a king in this setting. And sure. your expectation of what you're going to be doing in that game changes drastically.
0: That's a really good point. Uh, and, and I think that probably most players really, I mean, I assume kind of approach it that way in their head, right? It doesn't matter what you as a game master say you're planning to do with the game. It may sound interesting, intriguing, exciting, whatever, if you're lucky. But the the question is going to be, what am I doing? You know, what kind of character right. am I coming up with for this? Or what what kind of role is it in my... But, I mean, you're right. It, it, sp- focusing a lot on tone is a big uh, linchpin for me. You know, this is going to be the feel of the game. This is going to be the style of the game. It's going to be, you know, a group that this is going to... Be, we're going to be f- focusing on heists, or we're going to be focusing on espionage, or we're going to be focusing on adventuring, or whatever... You know, um, or at least implied, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think I've ever because um, because the question of system comes up a lot with us. I think I don't think I don't think I've ever st- started by. Uh, you know, a- avoiding or not addressing that fact, but it would be easy to just kind of address this, the kind of game it is. I just know that with the players I'm accustomed to, one of the first questions I'm going to get is, well, what game are we playing?
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, cause that's what we did when you decide to go ahead and run a sci-fi scenario and we're all like, okay, yeah. What yeah. Are we we gonna actually got uh,
0: wishy-washy about savage it. Savage worlds. Okay. Like,
4: <laughs> but then, you know, you laid out, you know, we're starting on a planet. You guys are at this level. There are aliens. There are this. There are that. And and, you gave us those key components as to what exactly we're doing and where our characters' places in the world. And then we built really different characters coming to the same point to meet that theme that we that you had discussed. And a lot of my, a lot of the because I do pitch every
0: campaign, um, or even short game, Mm -hmm. um, but I usually do with a very narrative kind of you know yeah. It's got that, yeah. You know, in a world. You know, it's, it's got yeah. that kind of very. You know, very it's working. it's not really about any of that.
1: Yeah, I was kind of going to suggest like go by writing a quick, um, you know, like in world written. Uh, yeah. what is Is it like a prologue or whatever?
0: In the year twenty two seventy seven, my father. You know, it's, it's <laughs> like you, you just you just you find a way to create that narrative sense right out of the gate, and then and tie in that way. Right.
4: Make an interesting and then, like
0: like Jim said, system really fucking doesn't matter. paragraph, that, I mean.
4: and then if you have a second paragraph, it's just a short bit saying, basically, your character is going to be this type of character, and it's set in this type of setting, and we're right. really using this type of system.
1: I think another thing to consider uh, when you're trying to pitch to a group is um, pitching the style of play. So, like, is it going to be about character growth on the character sheet or is it going to be like interpersonal drama role play like those uh you remember those old message boards that teens used to do that usually just ended up being like sex role play or whatever, but they were like, we're playing a role playing game. And it was.
4: We had Undernet, thing, but yeah, you know? we did that.
1: <laughs> right? I, I got involved it, in one of those once
3: be... and then immediately lost interest when I realized what it I was. Think
0: my, <laughs> yeah. I think my wife managed one at one time.
1: Right? Yeah. but Or is it going to be a. Um, are we going to play by doing um, improv storytelling? You know, I think considering. Well, it's all kind of improv style, storytelling. Like, isn't it? Uh, to yeah, a different sure. levels.
0: No. You're right. You're right.
1: Uh, because also playing a pre-written campaign is a lot different than focusing on improv storytelling. Truth. So.
0: Now, Jim, do you, do you do a lot of campaign play? I know you've talked a little I, bit about ideas I used before.
2: to. Not anymore. I don't even have a regular group anymore. Every oh, time yeah. I try to start something. Oh, I've got to work on Wednesday nights now. I can't make it anymore, guys. And All right. Well, glad I planned this one-year-long vampire campaign for you guys for the most important uh, character <laughs> to disappear. Yeah. Uh, and I think for me, one of the things that happens, no matter how much I stress, I'm a reactive game master. I want you to have ambitions and plots and things that you want to do. 90% of players are still raised. And I want to say traumatized, right? By bad game masters who make them reactive players. And they don't know how to do anything if a mission isn't handed to them. Um, or and don't, I, s-
0: don't seem to value it. Right, I mean, like, like it's I'm I'm accustomed to being a reactive player, so that's what I do. So that's what I think of as this experience, this gaming thing. You know, why would I want to be proactive? It just screws up the story or something. Or how do I know I'm making a good decision? Like, (laughs) yeah,
1: if you think about it, though, uh, when we look around at podcasts and actual plays and stuff, or anybody introducing D and D or role playing, they Mm -hmm. say you have a dungeon master who describes something, and then you get to act. So, like, it's kind of already set up that way in popular. But that is where you and
2: that's a flaw with the thinking behind adventure games versus other kinds of role playing games. Mm -hmm. If you are adventure players, then, yeah. But my second role playing game was Twilight 2000. (laughs) And that's an open world game. That is not a here's your mission.
4: Your mission is stay alive. That's it. I love that. Um, Find find your way in the
0: universe. That's
4: where letting them know the level of agency is important because you need them know going in that they are doing the world building, Mm -hmm. not they are exploring your world.
2: And, and if you go back far enough in gaming, that's the flaw in a lot of these designs that TSR was doing. Boot Hill is nothing like D&D, and it was coming out of the same company, mm-hmm. with the same kinds of stats and the same kinds of equipment lists. So everybody said, okay, well, let's go on an adventure. How do you adventure in an old west? The
0: game? old west, right? Yeah, it's not the uh, same tone. Gamma World Pology was all.
2: an open world design. There weren't really no missions. Paranoia, all you had to do was throw three people in a room with one item. <laughs> And that's four hours of play right there. <laughs> so these games are coming out that people are designing, but then the marketing team is coming in and saying it's an adventure game for right. the creators of Dungeons and Dragons. And I know Paranoia wasn't Dungeons and Dragons, but... Um, the idea of adventure gaming gets lodged in people's brains and they said, oh, this, this isn't D&D. And they immediately assume it's bad because it's not an adventure game so, or it's been labeled as an adventure game. It doesn't feel that way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Along with I'm saying my point. this is the style of play, maybe also bring up like what it's not. Like here's our style <laughs> yeah. of play and it's not an adventure game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which is valid. I mean, it's perfectly valid to say that this is going to be different than what you've experienced in the past or this is not going to be your typical you know, leave your expectations at the door, but I mean, you could find ways to say it that I don't think are going to throw people off completely. Right. Um, I am running a uh, game on Tuesday nights. That's very dungeon crawly because I wanted to prove to myself that I could and make it meet my expectations. And it's been a fun experience because the group is fun, but I walked into it with, by the way, guys, this is going to be a dungeon. This is going to be a very dungeon oriented kind of, you know, uh campaign. But I want this to feel like our other games. So you know your characters have they have their personal ambitions, they have their motivations, they have the stories that we're telling about them and between them and with their goals intrinsically tied into what's happening. So, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do it is because the dungeon um, has a generic quality of being kind of sandboxy in terms of like you only have you have the boundaries of where you can go and what you can do. But nobody pulling you around by the nose to do it, necessarily. I mean, obviously, it depends on the game. It's us getting enough resources
1: and eventually, like, yeeting the fuck out of a dungeon. <laughs> We're done here. Go around in a circle. And everybody pitch a game real quick. Go. Do you want me to start? Yes, since you're putting me on the spot, you're oh, going okay. first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to run a... It's not going to be, hmm, let me think. Okay, no, I'm going to run a campaign. Okay, we're going to run a campaign that is a roguelike dungeon crawl in Hydro hackers, uh, with the uh, daytime drama theme, you know, like Days of Our Lives style. Oh, God, Here that's go. terrifying. <laughs> Your turn. Oh, my God. I- it sounds so fun, though, right? It does. It does <laughs> sound fun.
4: I can roll.
0: That's the way you would pitch it, though? You figure that's yeah. That actually says a lot, I guess, right there, because you're it already breaking expectations. <laughs> I don't know that you're pulling people in, but the people you do pull in are definitely well, going to be intrigued.
1: Look, if it's a roguelike, I can't tell them what character they're going to play, because it'll be dead in a couple episodes. <laughs> if it even yeah. takes that long, yeah, they might go through a couple in a session.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's uh the one I'm kind of working on myself. Um, it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's in Paranoia, it, and because Paranoia is what it is, you have to kind of look at that as a key component, but it's in Paranoia, but it's an uh, adventure uh, studying the portion of the complex and developing um, a way to make certain improvements I haven't got that far yet. That's got to be part of the pitch when I get that far. But um, it's going to be specifically designed where people can drop in and out uh, on availability because of the effects of way paranoia goes. Paranoia, again, being where your characters can die or be replaced easy enough because there's always another infrared waiting to come up, but...
0: I never considered
4: Paranoia a campaign game. But there's enough in there that you can build a story progress. And I'm kind of coming up with a story and I've got different sections nearby with different things that lead into other things that you can explore openly to get to where you need to get to. You need to hurry up and get ready players. with that
3: because it looks interesting.
4: <laughs> it's, it's intrigue because it's societies interacting with each other. So it was...
0: Thought it might be a fun to base a game on Twenty One Twelve, you know, um, the the Temple Vision stuff, and use kind of the, the paranoia kind of setup.
4: That would be so cool. You mm. could you could literally have yeah. That would integrate interestingly enough, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, it's just different.
0: Um, so uh, interestingly enough, you you know, again, you're both you're both starting with system information too, right? Another right gate. Yeah, um, I threw
1: Hydra hackers in there.
0: Uh, and the uh, which is a PBTA game, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah,
1: I have it over here somewhere. Mine's in the other room, yeah. <laughs> we, I
0: remember we played it. We played it, um, we played um it doing the
3: Friday night thing
0: on the AP showcase, yeah. And uh, and Richard even used the word adventure.
4: <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I, mean, I it's it's, out of he's habit. coming up with stuff on the top out of his head habit because yeah. I hadn't actually like I, I know the pitch is missing the the intrigue twist, the thing that. I need to motivate to get them into it because that I need to know what the different options are. But it's going to be one of those things where you've got three or four different things in competition. And which ones the players help depends on what the players do.
1: But I also used dungeon crawl. So mm. by saying dungeon crawl, I'm specifically dungeon. saying it's not an adventure.
0: Dungeon crawl. Uh, Days of Our Lives dungeon crawl.
1: Yes. When you've
4: got an insanely huge base run by a computer. It basically <laughs> is a dungeon crawl.
3: It's true.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking as we killed that beholder, Dave, I'm pregnant.
3: <laughs>
1: it like, oh, so good. Oh, it's it it. even worse. It's, it's not yours.
4: I looked into the beholder's oh. eyes and I found out my future. It's <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, <laughs>
3: crazy and I love it.
0: <laughs> it's funny, kind of inspired by uh, what Jim said there in the beginning. I was like, I'm more inclined to think, try to think out of the box in terms of presentation. And, um, so if I eliminate the expectation of game system at the top, uh, you could describe a game in terms of like, you know, uh, when I said something a minute ago about like a sun dying or something, uh, like the, um, you know, it has been, um, 50 years since the last time anybody saw the sun, but our people were driven underground and now we're making the great pilgrimage back to the surface world. But some few of us have been chosen to lead and try to find the path, which has been hidden as an enigma by those who have gone before. So this is going to be a game that involves a great deal of solving riddles of the past and working out how to lead our people to safety because their society beneath the world is dying. Yeah. yeah I mean, create kind of a narrative structure to that. And then, yeah. of course, just immediately, there's just a, you know dozens of game systems this you can do that nice. with. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I really like the protocol. Narrative introduction.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, there's so many options. Um, one of the things that I, I thought Tad said in the email is interesting too, because he mentioned what game of, of yours, young that you mentioned? Do you remember? Fairview. Fairview.
1: Fairview is a good one. I love that one.
0: And he's talking campaign play.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fairview is definitely designed for campaign
1: yeah.
0: play. Okay.
2: That, that was the intention. The the secret of what's going on should take weeks to uncover.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember taking a look at that one. Is that was that in one of the kickstarters that I got? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's still available. <laughs> I think I well, have I'm a sure. copy somewhere. <laughs> no. oh, <no>. Jim's <laughs> yeah. like, no, I don't. I don't make them available you anymore. After available you know. that's it. So yeah. after the Kickstarter, it is sold it out. Sold out of copies. Yep. Uh, <laughs> sold out. Of we ran copies. out of POD,
2: yes. but somehow no I more to download. Sorry. Sold out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to say that it's one of my. Better creations. I spent a lot of time agonizing over the wording and things like that to keep everybody away from what the mystery is. Right. Uh, and I know people don't make games like that anymore where there's a secret behind the setting, but it doesn't make sense if there isn't one. I I like that. No, I'm so serving. Sorry. No, 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 no. (laughs) You're
0: absolutely
3: right.
1: How dare you get invited on the show to talk about you and how you approach things and then talk about you and how you approach things. Jeez.
0: We have dozens of listeners on the edge of their seat right now. <laughs> no, uh, oh I, I think that uh, it's one of the things that you do really, uh, obviously that you do really uh, well with um, the way you construct your, your game concepts. And obviously a lot of them are a game that is revolved specifically around a concept. You know, this is the whole process of this. The whole, the whole principle is this. It isn't a generic system. I mean, you have your system that can be employed in a lot of different ways. But it isn't intended to be generic. It's intended any given game kind of surrounds what it's intending to serve narratively.
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, certainly. And in this case, the things you do can impact the town in either positive or negative ways. This town has its own stats, right? And they're right there on your character sheet. So you're aware of what you're doing that impacts the town. So that certainly went into the design of it. Why they don't like it or they're scared to play it, I'm assuming it's simply because <laughs> the stuff I make is dark and it's not, there's there's not light moments in it, right? The things that you're doing, you're never just going to the grocery store to buy eggs. If you're doing that, there's a meaning behind it. And there's something's going to happen to you at the store when you get eggs, you're going to see
4: something you shouldn't have seen or whatever. Nice. <laughs> eggs at eight dollars a box what
0: <laughs> yeah, what we saw that we shouldn't have seen was the price of eggs today <laughs> god
4: i guess they come in cartons i don't
0: you
1: know <laughs> speaking of gm advice i'm pretty sure there's someone in the chat right now working on a book of gm advice
2: Mm-hmm. That is true. There is somebody
0: in here.
1: Yeah, maybe there's a you. You caught me a little bit oh, about oh. the
3: pitching. <laughs>
0: Richard, I, pitch. I didn't. I don't think I backed your Kickstarter, sir.
2: <laughs> I'm looking forward to Rich's book.
0: I, yeah, I will steal too. From it uh how, how is that? How's that project going though? It was. Very, it was obviously very much oh, a work yeah, in I'm progress. Oh yeah, I'm
2: getting pages down every day. But I, I thought I had the outline covered, and every day new, uh, new something shit new comes, comes up. And I (laughs) And I think to myself, oh, I got to address how stakes, how, how, how stakes matter in a story. And I'll use wrestling as an example for just a moment. Um, Roman Reigns never loses. So when you're watching a match with Roman Reigns, there's no stakes. You're never worried that, oh, is this the match where he's going to lose his belt? Of course not. It's three months from WrestleMania. He can't lose this match. Why is this even the main event? I'm bored. Um, Hmm. and players, this is why I don't want to, I don't want to system dump or anything right now. And I know there's all the old jail bullshit, but, um, this is the reason fifth edition isn't any good because there's no stakes. There's never any risk that I'm going to die. And well, you haven't it,
1: played with me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
1: um, but Wait the way the
2: system is built, the way the system is built, we get rests all the time. We're constantly getting our resources back and everything else. Oh, there's so definitely
0: if, ways to compensate for that as a game master. I'm just saying. Of course. Of course.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, Eric doesn't let us rest all the time. <laughs>
0: but um, Vanessa doesn't keep talking, characters worth the three levels.
3: <laughs> talking about
2: stakes in a generic manner in the book, I have to talk then about, oh, well, you know, if the players need to know this is the room they could die in mm-hmm. and it needs to feel that way and they need to be aware of, OK, if you fail this die roll, you're falling down a 200 foot chasm, that kind of thing. And if the stakes aren't present, if the cannon doesn't matter, uh, if the things you've established don't have people dying, then what 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 are you even rolling dice for? You're always going to win just.
1: And I think fifth edition seems to be continuing to head that way like continuing to head toward everybody's character is a precious little diamond to them and (laughs) they'll never have to consider playing another character and you can modify it with all these pretty little dress-up dolls well yeah it's a build system
4: of course my character is irrevocable (laughs) to
3: be fair i have someone that played in our saturday game that when their character died they just like threw their papers in the air and left they were done yeah Hmm. They had one character die, and they decided they were done playing the game because they had a character die. And the rest of us are just like,
4: wow. Okay. The opportunity <laughs> to come in with an even better character knowing what's in the game already, yeah. and they just threw it away. Weird. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and maybe it's one of the things that, as, as, as you guys know, I, I played um, D&D for so much of my life, and I started to form it into the game I would use to tell all kinds of stories. There weren't even necessarily traditional D&D fare, of course. Um, and I think that one of the things I like about uh, role-playing games, you know, this kind of collaborative storytelling experience, is it gives you the opportunity to create circumstances under which the stakes are not always life and death. And you can even do that with a game like D&D. I mean, it's obviously not going to be the best vehicle for it, since that's what the, the game revolves around as an adventure game. But, um, I mean... There's other ways to tell stories and create tension. I mean, does that make sense?
1: Kind of, yeah. Well,
2: yeah. yeah, uh, Essentially, the things you're doing have to matter. If you're if you're picking up the dice to roll for something, the things you have to do matter. It doesn't have to be death as the stake, but my my pass or success, my my failure or success has to point to something. Otherwise, why am I rolling dice? This is why I hate spot checks. This is why I hate GMs rolling for every little thing behind the mm-hmm. screen. Yeah. Um, I had a game master that used to roll to see, do you go to the convenience store that happens to have the special NPC I made? Just make the make him appear. Yeah. Eventually, after 10 visits to an, a convenience store, I'm going to meet this guy anyway, based on the system of rolling dice. So just have <sighs> him. You've gone to three different convenience stores and you happen to walk into this one and here's the guy, the cashier I
0: wanted you to beat all along. Have the story be where the story matters.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah. Take they, 20 and move
0: I, on. Yeah, I've definitely seen people get ridiculous with that. Uh, but yeah, that, that is kind of what I'm getting at. I think that uh, if, if successes and failures, if you want to create tension and you want to make them matter, then you just have to create an, a narrative that captures the imagination. Uh, that, that gives uh, players a reason to engage. So that it does matter. Because technically, life and death, the biggest distinction of whether or not that is um, the ultimate stakes in the game is the fact that typically, death means you're done with that character. You don't get to continue doing what you were doing. The, 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 The shiny diamond that you were polishing that Jesse was talking about. Suddenly gets thrown in the trash. You know, you don't get to keep polishing it. You know, you got to start fresh with something else or whatever. I'm just
1: saying, if you're carrying your diamonds in a lava mine, eventually you're going to lose a diamond to the lava.
0: That's what you're saying? It's a
4: great a perfect
1: addition. I just that. go back
4: yeah. 15 minutes in memory and start over. Continue on. Uh, but in a lot of ways, that
0: is, <laughs> I mean, that stake is, is transitory, I think. I mean, you can obviously create plenty of situations where the fun ends when things go badly. I mean, that seems like the wrong philosophy for some reason, doesn't it? But, I think I'm the... <laughs>
2: I think I'm the only game designer talking about this subject right now, what I'm about to say, and it's really pissing people off. And I'm just going to lead with nobody agrees with me. I'm completely all alone on this theory, but there is now two kinds of gaming. There is escapism and there is indulgence and how, what it is you want out of gaming determines how happy you're going to be. And that person throwing away their diamond and leaving the table showed up for indulgence. They didn't show up for escapism and it's a yeah. complicated theory. I don't want to eat up all the time talking about it, but I've, I've talked about this on Facebook and everybody got all pissed off. I tried talking about it on Twitter. Everybody got all pissed off.
1: Well, but no, I can
2: really,
0: I, I see how it's a nerve. Yeah, sure, absolutely.
2: sure, it does hit a nerve, but it's not. I'm not attacking anybody. I'm saying, no. look at what it is that you want out of gaming and that's going to
4: determine where you're quote unquote fun zone is mm-hmm. it, oh, it yeah. probably should be another session zero paradigm oh, because yeah. y- your players need you need to know what your players expect to get out of the game right, right. out of the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: although your, your point is if, kind of that your players a lot of times players probably don't know what they want
4: Which is part of the
2: right and not being able to talk about what I'm talking about without resistance and without people getting angry, but they don't realize that I'm trying to create a tool for them saying you're going to get more out of gaming if you show up and are just honest and say, I just want to indulge my fantasy here. And Mm -hmm. what they're hearing is judgment,
0: right? Right. What they're hearing is I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, you know,
2: and I've not in, in nowhere in my statement did I say one is better than the other right? or the way we used to do right. it was good. The way we used to do it was the only way we knew how to do it. And so now that indulgence is coming up as a new method of role playing, people have to move their expectations.
0: There is an inherent value judgment, though, isn't there? I mean, it's not necessarily indicative of what's right or wrong for any one person, Right, but we ran into this um, early on in the podcast. For example, you know the kinds of uh, the kind of evolution we'd seen at our gaming table—the the, the people I've been gaming with for years and years and years—and um, I mean, there was a certain amount of elitism that had crept into the way we approached gaming. You know, uh, especially because we we'd moved from I had I had uh, players who had joined my game who literally had come from you know t- fifteen years of playing D anD D where they went into the dungeon and they barricaded the door and they slept for 23 hours and then went back out to adventure and they did it all again, you know, that, uh, that was the game that they were accustomed to. And it was perfectly fine and fun for them until they came and saw something different. Right. And then, you know, I, 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 I presented a very, you know, character driven game where role-playing really mattered and they couldn't, they couldn't just roll a die to figure out what was going on. They had to read between the lines when my NPC was trying to lead them astray. Yeah, and, right. and they're sitting here going, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. We're figuring this out. And so they engage it differently. And then when they start figuring it out, of course, I pulled the rug out from under them, which pissed them off, which engaged them more. You know, there was right. just, there's just great ways to instill a sense of, you know, personal engagement. It's a good word, obviously. And, you know, with with your, your, your gaming experience and your gaming group, and after a while, you start to feel like this is the right way. That all that other stuff that we used to do was just preparing us somehow to find the right way to do it. So, you're doing it bad. We're doing it good. (laughs) And now I'm going to get on the air and talk about it. And it didn't take me too long to realize that I sounded like a dick. (laughs) So, um... Let's levy the no wrong way to eat a Reese's philosophy <laughs> right there. There's a,
2: something I talk about in the book called the aha moment and the holy shit moment. And the, there are <laughs> there are two different moments in your career as a gamer. The aha moment is what you're talking about with aha mm-hmm. gaming can do that. Oh, wow. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's better or it's worse, but it is a shift, right? It is a shift in your expectations. Mm -hmm. And the holy shit moment is the stories that you tell for years and years later. Once you've crossed the aha moment, and then you're playing a game and you will not believe what happened in this session with this GM. And it takes you two hours of context to explain that moment. And it's still with you. And you remember what happened. And those holy shit moments, those aha moments. They don't necessarily need to be a judgment, a value judgment of which is worse or better. They just need to be as anything else. I was six and I really used to like bug bunny, bugs, bunny. I'm not six anymore. And my taste in cartoons has changed. My taste in stories have changed. I don't need to see Elmer Fudd blow Daffy Duck's face off to have a good time. And so as you evolve, whether for better or for worse, your tastes in things change and So I don't know how to fix people assuming that I'm making a value judgment by saying there used to be escapism and now there's indulgence because at no point am I saying one's better and one's worse. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Rich.
4: And no, no, I just I ran into the problem with a gaming group I used to play with and they keep asking me to play with them. And every now and then I I think about it, but I still have problems. They go into super crunchy stuff and I'm like, I want to go into more role play stuff. But then the other side of that is they keep doing adventures that are play yourself adventures. I don't, I don't enjoy play-yourself adventures. You mean like I characters based on yourself, to, your
0: person? Yeah, oh, weird. I'm
4: like, no, I literally play to escape. I don't want to play myself. I don't want to come into a dungeon with an expectation that if I fail here, I'm failing myself. I want to come into a game with an expectation that I am playing an interesting character, telling a story with other characters telling stories, and I want this story to progress, however it turns out.
0: Well, and when the stakes are life and death, you know, I can see in in at my gaming table, at least, that my players, if they have a character die, you know, it isn't uncommon for Richard to have the next concept he wants to play already kind of half fleshed out before he even gets to that point. In fact, the minute they really run into the tough situation where people are likely to die, <laughs> you know, I know I know who's over there already writing up another character just in case because they don't want to miss a minute of the fun. Which says right there that the fun isn't about the character. No, the character's sometimes. part of the experience, but yeah, well, yeah, obviously sometimes. I mean, and and there's always going to be variations on that for us because we connect with our characters like we do people. You know, we connect with their story in a personal way because we're experiencing with them. It's an intimate experience. So if you um, adjudicate that in your head as a you know with the psychodrama that that can be, then you become very connected to it, and that that shiny diamond isn't necessarily about how much uh, cool shit you can put on them or how great their abilities are or anything like that. It's about the experiences you've shared. It's about the stories you told together. And if those stories suddenly come to an end, that's tragic, but it's also amazing what you've
4: done. I loved my barbarian and I played my barbarian and well, and I enjoyed the way they did in combat. I also enjoy the way I'm currently playing my bard and the storytelling aspect and the knowledge and whatever. And I will just as fun when that bard dies. Enjoy playing the cleric, bringing spiritualism into the party. Um, yeah, I—I
1: was terrified. <laughs> I wanted to love playing my bard. I wanted to love playing my bard so bad. I—I I love the idea of an entertainment character as an adventurer. Um. Oh,
4: mine, mine's a bit of blowhard. <laughs> I it hits. I, uh, <laughs> go ahead jim
2: i i played in a shadow run game believe it or not i actually played I'm sorry. It four times <laughs> uh, i'm very sorry I, I hate it um but i played a troll who was a internet sensation and he was um he was sponsored by red bull and so he would i bought i spent all my points on an entourage right i had 13 guys that were with me they were the camera crew and they were my some of them were the guys that were on camera with me, and we would always be getting into antics. And I decided I wanted to go on a shadow run. That was my next big episode. <laughs> and so I had joined this group to go on a shadow run. And rather than let me do that, right? All the players, oh, he's got all these NPCs. We got to start killing them off now. <gasps> and so the game became about how much can we screw with Jim rather Aww. than let's that's have so- fun with this idea we've never seen before in Shadow Run. Oh um,
3: no, that's so- actually a really cool idea for shadow run
2: (laughs) um i want to talk briefly because we've been talking so much about characters dying i want to talk about relationships for just a second and this is such Mm -hmm. a long answer to tad's half question oh yeah no Um, we'll get we'll get to the other (laughs) uh i'm sure tad is very disappointed yeah poor tad (laughs) getting his money's worth um
1: (laughs) wait a minute for
2: 40 years gaming became, became about i'm an orphan character i don't know anybody i'm a loner i'm wolverine And I'm going on this adventure with everybody. I don't even know these jerks. I don't know why I should trust them. And we're going to go into this dungeon and come back with this wizard sickle for his stupid ritual. And we're getting paid a thousand gold. So what do we care? Without relationships, who you are and what you're doing and what happens to you does not matter. And I remember a long time ago, one of the best campaigns I got to play on, my buddy Mike ran it. It was the night below. And I don't know if you're familiar with the box set. You're supposed to go underground pretty quickly. We spent <laughs> almost a year I have a story. of game time above ground. Uh, so did we Just, 16 getting months? To yep. <laughs> getting to know everybody in the community. Yep. Getting to know everybody in the community and everything else. Our characters, before we even went there, knew each other. It had been established that we had fought in a war together. We had mustered out. We were about to uh, go and find adventure. And somebody that knew us from the war said, I need you to go to this town and deliver something. Right, And we get there and this place is in shambles, right? Everything's in shambles. And through that, we not only had relationships with one another, but with everybody in the community. So when it was time to go underground, finally, things mattered, right? Those relationships mattered. And if you're showing up as an orphan character, what does it matter if you die? Why are you upset? the next Wolverine clone that you bring into the game is going to gonna do this all the same same experience. Shit that they did yeah. with the previous character right and so mm-hmm. and I keep cussing is that okay guys no oh yeah <laughs> no fuck somebody what are you talking
0: he's going to cut all your stuff out of the afternoon anyway, an
2: anyway
3: <laughs> <gym>. yeah, <okay>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> super
0: super super person contest. my ass um, <laughs> no yeah uh, that's great I you know, it's fun. I don't know yeah. if you and I ever talked about this, Jim, but um, I actually the Night Below campaign. So we're talking about that same probably time period too. I don't know. Uh, this is in the nineties, uh, late. Oh uh, yeah, I late nineties,
2: early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I played it. Yeah.
0: Was um, actually very pivotal for my group at the time. Um, we had been really kind of because we were young, early twenties, a lot of us ish, mm-hmm. um, in mid twenties, yeah. Uh, but we, uh, we were just kind of starting to come into the whole, oh, wait a minute. Characters can have real, like, actual personality that affects their world and build relationships with each other. We started just started seeing kind of the edge of that. And I ran this campaign, and I don't remember how it got started, what the character's story was going into it. But these guys, and the, and the, the first part of that uh, campaign, the first little act there, you do a lot of traveling between towns, remember? So yeah, yeah. you know, this town, yeah. and then you, and you got like like days to travel to get to this next place, and days to travel to get. Then you go down to the forest and up to the mm-hmm. all these different places you go. I mean, it was really kind of well laid out little area with a lot of stuff in it. It was neat, but um, what immediately started happening was they started focusing in so much on the interaction and the engagement with each other and with the the NPCs in the world. That it would get to the point where I'd be, I kind of want to redline that shit to the next town, you know? Wanna be able to go, okay, so it's a couple of days of travel, nothing really happens here. And somebody would immediately go, wait, on that first hour on the road. I shit you not. Yep. Sixteen yep. months. Four yep. they gained four levels in that <laughs> time. Yeah. Sixteen months. And by the time I got to that point and they were ready to kind of go to the underground portion of the which was the larger portion of the campaign. Right. I never got to run it because yeah. it got to that point, and it had taken them so long to get from point A to B to C to D that nobody remembered what the fucking adventure was about. Yeah, they could not keep yeah. track of the information they would picked it up. It happened honestly. As soon as we went
2: underground, that. we didn't care anymore.
0: Yeah, there was so
2: these <laughs> people. I don't, I don't care that these trolls are not getting along with the Otiog or whatever creatures were down there.
0: I learned the a lot. I learned a yeah. lot as a game master in that sixteen months. Yeah.
2: <laughs> huh. I do want to say that the writing in the in the the idea behind it is fantastic. The writing was a mess, and Mike yeah. did such a great job of making it flow and work. Mm-hmm. It's why I wrote King for a Day, right? Oh, yeah, I, I can see that. I didn't like what he had done with Night Below in terms of writing and structure, and I said, "Well, here's how I would have done it." <laughs> and I say that in the book. I say that flat out that this <laughs> was inspired by Night
0: Below. Uh, King for a Day is great. I, I still think that's one of the coolest things I've seen of yours. And I know it was one of your early products. So I don't know if that makes yeah, you yeah, feel yeah. good or not. But.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's. I think I wrote it when I, I was still a little naive about how I was going to make money in this business uh, as a lone game designer. Mm-hmm. And so I was just excited to make something. And I put all of this love into it. and
0: It had to be uh, a big project. I, it was a very, yeah, yeah, very yeah, dense yeah. book.
2: I, I think I spent about nine months. A lot writing. of research, too. I, yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and I lost money on it I, I I still don't think I've recouped the cost
0: so even but now, I, geez.
2: I spent so much on shipping that first book because I didn't <laughs> know any better mm. so well
0: it's available on PDF still right so
2: yeah PDF and you can buy the yeah. book I still have copies
0: okay now well, maybe i'll put I'll, I'll put a link in for that too I'll put a link in for similar stuff because that's that's definitely something that I think people should check out if they if they enjoy because it has a it has a kind of a, a darker grimmer kind of fantasy mm-hmm. you know style to it, it It's very yeah. very thematic um, but very appealing I, I found that it just reading the text draws you in as a game master It just gets the wheel spinning and I just wanted to do something with it and it's just one of those that's been because these guys know it'll I'll come up with something I really want to do and it'll be five years before we get to it but I don't lose track of it. it's on my plate right. you know it's part of running long campaigns unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. The, uh, the, the question of relationships, though, I, I think is also um, the, the dynamic is so important to helping create engagement uh, in the game. Because the, we don't see a lot of those lone wolf type characters now um, at our table. Yeah. And for exactly the reason you described. Because, and it isn't even, I don't think it's even a cognizant thing. I don't think you get a lot of the players sitting down and going, oh, I'd like to do this thing, but I don't want to do that because that won't be, they just don't, their their brains just don't go there anymore. There's like, you know, I want to play something that's going to be fun with the party, that's going to contribute, that's going to, you know, in, in my case, when I make a character, which I don't get to do a lot, you know, as a forever DM. Um, I do a lot of, I'll run uh,
3: something eventually.
0: Yeah. You keep saying that, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, what I end up doing a lot is, uh, i if I make a character, for example, that has those qualities, those lone wolf type qualities, I would immediately start with, here's the person that they are right now. And here's the person I want them to be. So I want the person to learn and grow in this period into a person who's going to be part of this group going to be somebody that matters to them and they're going to matter to him. You know, I I programmed that growth into my plan a little bit, and it's just because I like seeing that kind of character development. But I don't like I still wouldn't do a little. It's not not really me, (laughs) but you know what I mean. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of room for creating uh, archetypes. That if you're a player, if that's what you want out of it, recognize though that. Some art types, if you play them static, if that's what you're doing, just are never going to be, are never going to feel like part of the part of the group, part of the game, part of the dynamic of the story. They're always going to stand kind of their own little piece of it. And right. like you said, if, they, if something happens and they're gone, it's not going to end up impacting them much. And here's the other thing. You know, you talked about like running a campaign where you're, where like a principal character just got spun out at a pivotal point. Uh You don't have pivotal characters unless they draw everybody in around them, unless they matter to the rest of the party, the the, the rest of the people playing the game. You know, you can have somebody who's important to like hundreds of NPCs, but if the rest of the party doesn't give a shit about them, it ain't going to matter in the game. So, I mean, really, you have to think about that. If you want to have that, want to have the opportunity to engage with the story in a way that surprises you, in a way that gives you room for growth, in a way that gives you the chance to experience things you wouldn't, Expect or anticipate, then you have to be able to engage with other players, bounce off of them, you know, create those opportunities and those moments that uh, that matter to everybody, and become somebody that matters to the story. So <laughs> and then leave I my table and piss me off. <laughs> to, uh,
4: right, I finally got to um, play test the the little improv-heavy game <laughs> system I've been halfway working on. That was fun. Interestingly enough, the one. The one note I ended up getting back was that we could probably find some way to add character relation to the generation at the beginning, the pre-interview portion, because when we rolled through, the characters were all desperately separate, and so then you like wondering why they even were together in the first place, and literally at the end of this, you were wondering why they even got together at the first place, because it went to really weird places. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> Undead orgies are just apparently a thing now. It, again,
3: <clears throat> to randomly generate.
4: <clears throat> part of the pitch.
0: Again, part of the pitch. You know, your character. You. This is your role. This is why it matters. This is how you engage well, they with this story. They
4: knew each other, but because it was all improv off the spur, I was kind of going for that whole build as you go, but maybe there does need to be just a little bit of okay, build a connection between these build a connection here, build a connection here now let's go.
3: Some reason why you care about each other, because it was weird (laughs) Care?
0: Does it
4: have to be care about?
3: (laughs) Some reason you're traveling together, other than the fact
1: that hey, we're all going this direction Can, (laughs) Can you have a game with two of the player characters being fo- each other's foil is that, of can we course. Do that? I oh, oh that
4: Vanessa and I in the Black Rocks campaign mm-hmm. we were antithesis to each other this was my singing my uh, song
3: oh yeah that, dancer, that was a fun game
4: Sky Dancer <laughs> And your character <laughs> and my character were oil and water. Oh yeah. uh, We absolutely did not get along, and we constantly countered each other. And there was always every, – every interaction in the middle involved a gap for us to have our little spat in because everybody knew it was going to
0: happen. <laughs> it was more played for laughs, though, than for – I mean, it, it played up to the drama sometimes, uh, but you played it for laughs because it was you and Vanessa. So, True. but
4: mm-hmm. but it was there. We were we were counterways without destroying the storyline.
0: Um, it sometimes storyline. created drama because you wouldn't cooperate, which was fun.
3: Which made it fun for me, at least. As long as the <laughs> yeah. story
0: and the, the type of game, you know, the type of story you're telling really kind of I encompassed really
3: liked that. I really that game. I miss
0: that game. That was a challenging campaign to keep moving. Uh, because,
3: you kept uh, popping man. us to different worlds. It, it wasn't <laughs> different
0: worlds.
4: You were on the same world, you
0: know, in different places. Uh,
4: yeah, whatever. Okay. It was just changing around you. The same
0: world. A lot. <laughs> but it was it was a, a really good example. It wasn't necessarily a sandbox because you didn't have a, a lot of control sometimes of where you were going and how you were getting there. But it was a really great example of a game where your decisions made all the difference about what you did when you got there and whether or not that took the story in one direction or another. Um, cause I didn't make a lot of decisions up front in that one. I just kind of carried through the consequences of your actions <laughs> or inactions. Cause
1: inactions are a thing
0: too. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was, um, was definitely not an elevator pitch about how to do elevator pitches.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> did you want me to read the other part?
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and touch on the other part. Um, I know what it's in reference to. So,
1: um, okay. So back to Tad's letter. First, I have enjoyed recent episodes and thought the campaign model's odyssey was pretty good. I've tried to think of other models, but I think I've mostly come up with things that aren't inspired by specific literary works, but are more themes. And Tad has provided us with a handy bulleted list. Protection of order or restoration of order. Monster hunt or treasure hunt. These were already discussed a bit, being most common. Uh, vengeance and exploration of or trying to regain identity slash amnesia. What could you Hmm. come up with riffing off these themes? Are there any other literary works that inspire campaign models for you? Also, at the end, thanks and hope to keep hearing you all regularly, Tad.
0: Thank you, Tad. Appreciate it. Uh, Jim might be a fun one to kind of put this on too, to what, what what he's referring to is we did an episode. Um, I kind of wanted to start a series that talked about like campaign models that weren't your traditional adventure stories and um, not not traditional in terms of what we usually saw in D&D anyway. And right. so what I was uh, with one, the one I used as an example for the episode where I brought this up was uh, Homer's Odyssey. You know, the story of a man trying to get home, you yeah. know, the years it took him to do it, the the uh, encounters and the obstacles he ran into on the way, what was going on at home and how that affected the story for his arrival, you know, uh-huh. the way that dynamic changed things, um, his role when he got home. I mean, there were a lot of things we talked about and kind of broke it all down. And so uh, I, I had been trying to think of other examples like that that came from literary works that weren't. Because especially nowadays, um, and this is the thing we see exploited, I think the most in like you know, TV and movies a lot is is chosen one paradigms. It's like everything right. is about the one guy who's prophesied to do the thing and everything supports that story. And that's fantastic, but we all saw it with Star Wars in 76 and just couldn't get over ourselves. It's just continued in one form or another, the hero's journey, right. blah, blah blah. Yeah, you know, in in various forms, you know, and it, we don't let go of that. And uh, that's not really the paradigm for like a campaign or like, you know, a, a tabletop role playing game most right. of the time because you have a group <laughs> to start with. So, yeah, yeah. you know, if you're well, cho- chosen one, it that. changes things.
2: <laughs> I talk about that a lot that you have to learn how to work in an ensemble. When you play a role-playing game, you can't read a novel about a cloak fighter and then come to D&D and say, I want to play a cloak fighter. Okay, but you know you're not going to be the center of the story. You're mm-hmm. going to be part of an ensemble. So that novel you just read about that guy, you're not going to get any of the other elements. You're just getting right that you fight with a cloak instead of a sword.
0: <laughs> cloak fighter, that's good. Which one. is
2: fun. Which is fun, sure. I, however, but but you're, you're not getting that RP, but you're still a fighter you're every everything that you're doing comes out mechanically the same right your whole so team is still the same you just have a different way of you have a different vehicle for implementing damage uh so yeah i think that's a really big question i'd have to think for a while on it i i like to break the genre and mm-hmm. when i say genre a lot of people Think Well, it's got dragons in it. It's fantasy. It's (laughs) fantasy when it has a certain structure and a certain motif. Just because it has dragons in it does not. Dragons going shopping for eggs is not a fantasy story. It's not even urban fantasy. It's none of those things. It's just a slice of life story. (laughs) <laughs> so i tend to when i'm running a fantasy campaign i will i will address the authority issue in fantasy more than any other theme and i will who's in charge what's going on what rights do you as peasants have because you're essentially peasants when you're adventurers right you don't belong to the land you don't work for anybody you're yourself so if you come stumbling into town the king can order your death and there's nothing you could do about it um and so looking at that level of authority who you are and what you can do you have to fight for your freedom you have to fight to be to do what it is that you want to do which is adventure
0: to set yourself apart
2: so i look at stories like 1984 right what can i steal from 1984 to write this Mm -hmm. this adventure or you know yeah in the case of don quixote which i think is one of the best novels ever read written um i look at well what did he have to do to become free he had to let go of every single convention of regular life and in a sense that's what drove him mad is that he had no anchor anymore um what does that do to the players when they don't have an anchor when they're constantly on the road how does that grind them that's the thing missing from the odyssey by the way that, yes that um and homer didn't write into the story is 10 years away from his wife just right what does that do to him to his sense of family and his sense of self because when he the got home he tone just, because
0: the tone of the story said, was epic heroic yeah. you know myth yeah anyway uh, yeah, you're, wait, right. Wait, wait. you're no, right no
1: no when he got home he should have just said what
2: <laughs> when he got home, he just should have said, I don't know who you are anymore. You can have one of these suitors. I don't need to kill all these guys. You deserve to be happy. I'm sorry that I was gone for 10 years. Instead, he makes her wash his feet. And, and it's one of my favorite stories. So I remember it quite well. <laughs> yes. uh, he makes her wash his feet. He pretends not to be at her husband. He looks all disheveled. And then in the middle of the night, he kills all these guys that want a piece of her. And he treats her like he owns her, which is not the conclusion I would have I would have written.
0: Part of the paradigm, of course. And he was the <laughs> yeah, king. He yeah, yeah. was and a king. It fits, so, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: it fits the the setting and the time and whatnot, but it doesn't show any character growth.
0: No, 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 no. Which again, I feel wasn't the point of the stories for that that time period. These characters yeah. were actually kind of axiomatic in that way. The heroes of myth were very much static. Mm-hmm. You know, this is who they were. When they talk about Hercules' great challenge, Heracles' great challenges, it wasn't about him growing as a person and discovering more what he was. It was about him proving what he was you know, to ever, to the people that mattered. Right. Like, yeah. I, uh, I get that. I, I, I like that perspective. Um, I, I also love, uh, and I mean, I like subverting expectations with fantasy games anyway. And so I like running it. The, the game they were talking about a bit ago was a fantasy game, but like right out of the gate, I had set up kind of like, here's examples of characters you can play. And one of them picked a clockwork girl. <laughs> you know, one of them picked a, a, a sharpshooter with, with his pistols. You know, it's like, well, right out of the gate. It's not a D&D game. That's what I want, guys. And then they turned out having to deal with murders and trying to figure out what was going on around them. It wasn't what they expected going in, uh, I, which was fine. Yeah. And I would describe things about the world that made it different, but seemed like everyday life to the people there. That was what they were used to. That's the world they lived in. Uh, so you kind of said that, but but you're still using the expectations of the genre as your pivot point.
2: Yeah, you, you have to. You have to ground yourself somewhere. I think uh, Midnight Sun, uh, Monty Cook's world, mm-hmm. it, it fails because there's nothing to ground you. This guy has an umbrella for a head. This guy has toaster. Feet. It's
0: way crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So wh- what's the context? What's the conceit? Why am I even here? And, and uh, I made black monks specifically to be weird, but you're still bipedal. You're still people with brains. You still have regular human ambitions. There's nothing alien about it. I'm not asking you to play a log. Um, <laughs> So you you have to the conceit has to be approachable it has to be something that rests within at least your understanding of how humans behave and that's probably my anthropology background speaking um, more than my literary background but I can't imagine making that world not because I can't but because what would the players do in it that's any different than any other game
0: I also like creating campaign you know, modeling campaigns after themes where the the characters are dealing with a change in the world around them rather than looking for ways to change it in their favor, uh, which can be minor, you know, I mean, that's how you get your your your, your Robin Hood story, for example, but it could also be um, the opposite, you know, like, you know, worlds coming apart, you know, the apocalypse, things like that. I, I want it to be somewhere in the middle. Typically, I want it to be something that the characters feel like they have the ability to get a grasp on whatever it is, their role in that story needs to be. Um, it's all, it also could be fun, of course, to set them up to where they feel responsible. But again, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of, uh, it's hard to kind of do that without setting up a story that feels like you're knocking down dominoes, you know, it's like this leads to this leads to this leads to this leads to this. So, I mean, it, it can be, um, a really good to find some sort of like some sort of way to let the characters, let the players explore that world and interact and engage with it. And then, you know, re- as a game master be reactive, at least in part, obviously, Um, not just improvisational necessarily, but create story that, um, you know, put the guy in the convenience store when they go in the convenience store, wait, instead of waiting for the third or 10th convenience store, you know, do it, do it right now, you know, because this is the story that matters. This, this is what matters and reward that, you know, and and it doesn't always mean like, you know, it's, it's funny. Every time we go, we turn a corner and try something that we think was going to you know, fall apart on us, that turns out to be exactly what we needed to do. You don't necessarily want that story, but I mean unless you do. (laughs) I mean that can be entertaining too. (laughs) The why of that can be entertaining. X-Files
2: was really big on TV when I was in college and mm-hmm. so I ran an X-Files like game for my friends but it was uh it was a secret service related thing where they were trying to make all this stuff disappear and I made them pick the actors from TV that were playing their characters on the show and every session was an episode of <laughs> of the TV show, this X-Files like TV show. And I, as a GM, just reacted to what they were doing. Wherever they went, that's what the thing was. I don't want them wasting time looking, oh, where should we go next? Right. It's a TV show. Wherever they go
3: next, that's where the story is.
0: You got 47 minutes to do this, guys. Yeah, exactly.
3: (laughs) It doesn't matter what direction you go. That's the direction that you need to go. Right. (laughs) Because It was that
2: kind of story. If you did that with D&D, that wouldn't make any sense at all. We've got a map in our hands. We know the temples to the north we go east oh you find the temple it does and that <laughs> means that the decisions they're making don't matter again
0: I, um, <laughs> why I, is the temple in the east suddenly <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what i'm saying that would be a horrible thing to do
0: if, if, the, if the characters need to figure that out in a the world they can be interesting but you did yeah. not do yourself any favors as game master <laughs> right i think sorry jess
1: oh it's okay i think it's pretty common for a campaign model to be uh, like, uh, rebuilding. So, like, some disaster happened and now the char- the player characters are rebuilding and probably all the NPCs too. But I-, I like the idea of playing the campaign model instead of the rebuilding after disaster, like, building up to the disaster. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, climate change activists in the 90s sort of campaign, because the coming apocalypse, the climate disaster is coming uh, and you're trying to, like, the campaign building up to that
0: Making
3: is a
1: cool a difference.
0: idea. Uh, some of the better, longer campaigns I've run were kind of in that vein, at least in part of the campaign, where the disaster, the, not literally an apocalypse necessarily, but the disaster happens during the course of the campaign. So your characters are involved in trying to mitigate what damage they can in that process, or save the people that they can, or serve their nation's interests ahead of other people's, or whatever is going on. Um, it's it's a good one to set on the back with a you know a war as a backdrop, for example, when you have different uh, political factions or religious factions kind of you know making waves and I mean, and making that. big things happen.
1: Story ta- story top ta- tabletop storytelling games came from wargaming, right? So like
0: yeah, well
2: or, yeah, or, yeah, sort of yeah
0: yeah technically I mean you know <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: play, you bring up a really good point.
2: Eric is that this is, we're going back to expectations and setting expectations. If I set a game in world war Mm one, the game needs to be about something other than winning the war, right? Players cannot win the war, right? They they're sort of victims of the circumstances around us, around them, but they can do things that impact the war, they can deliver messages. They can try to go get to that other trench right now. They can go and rescue their wounded buddies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They just can't win the whole thing. I, and so the, these disasters, whatever the disaster is in your game, the I players can't impact it.
0: So much with that when um, Dragonlance became a thing back in right. the early 90s when they, you know, the late 80s, I guess. When the books, when the when the role playing book came out, and they had all the adventures coming out, and they, the the information on the world was coming out, and I loved the novels, and so you're thinking, yeah, you know, credit is cool. This is a really different thing, uh, kind of different than our traditional DD games. D games. I love this world, and my players have read the books and they love it. And we should do a game. And then I couldn't come up with shit that didn't have something to do with the War of the Lands. And yeah, you can't be the guys that are doing the important shit because that's happening in the books. Right. <laughs> you this know? is the same flaw with Star Wars. Exactly, you can't be Luke
2: Skywalker. I'm sorry, Rich okay.
4: is pointing. No, no, that's that's exactly the, the I was going to say uh, I just got done watching the Avatar series and Vanessa's uh, proudly got the uh, Avatar role-play game mm-hmm. book and it uh it, it it's a I'm sitting here thinking you know it's a hero's journey story and this all happens and I know the book talks about different areas you can run adventures in but it's interesting how to get an ensemble adventure out of that system
3: there is a lot about the world in the book and, and you just obviously you just
0: have to be uh, <laughs> in this position uh, you know your game master you know has to have their head in a place where they they have an idea or a direction for stories that don't intrude on that but still take advantage of everything you love about it because of it which is how we end up with star wars expanding into the future and the past and around the galaxy and places that had nothing right. to do with the skywalkers because you had to if you wanted to tell stories that had nothing to do with the skywalkers um yeah no that's that's a really good example too Airbenders a very cool setting you know and the, the the kind of the people and stuff in it but I I would have a hard time coming up with stories that weren't related to what was going on even though what was going on was kind of just a simple like you said a simple story of you know a few characters growth as they you know bent their attention towards an eventual mission you know oh, an there are purpose. so many
3: directions I could go with this good. <laughs>
4: looking forward to it. Yeah, that could be
0: fun. Uh, you know, I, I I don't I don't know, you know, is especially um I I have always loved the idea of running games that had and Jim I talked about this about historical you know stuff. I um I particularly I I love the idea of running a game, somehow running a game that takes place in a version of like the American Revolution, for example, because I've been a student of it, because that period interests me and the people that period interest me and what society was like at the time. I've absorbed a lot of that. But then again, I'm also me, so it would turn out to be a horror game with supernatural elements and aliens. I don't know. It would turn out to be something completely fucking different.
4: It wouldn't start that. Way. Wouldn't Thanks, Vanessa. I appreciate yeah. you. Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean, werewolf mosquitoes? I'm so confused right now, Eric. What is going on? <laughs> well, um, well, you're in the south, and the mosquitoes are already six foot.
1: So, <laughs> isn't our Alaskan mosquitoes fucking giant?
4: Here we go back to the fucking
0: Australian spiders, guys.
1: <laughs> <warm>.
0: <laughs>
4: House spiders
0: You're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm feeling triggered right now.
3: <laughs> you should Aww. be. Uh,
0: I don't know. Do we? Uh, do you think we addressed Ch- Chad's question there? I mean, tat. I know it's hard to come up with really tat. great. Tat. Tat. I said ted
4: What did I say? Said I heard Chad. I was trying to say Tad. Get my
0: tongue to work. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think we address that? Because I, mean, I know it's hard to come up with off the top of your head. So, about, well, here's another great fictional, you know, let's make a Hunger Games model, you know. It's
1: like, what about a- That sounds oh, hilarious and terrifying. One model <laughs> No, no, because the Hunger Games is like Battle Royale. Like, I think a Battle Royale as a as a campaign model oh, makes sense. You
0: know, it's funny you say that because that is true, and it wasn't where my brain went when I said it. When I said the Hunger Games, I wasn't thinking about the battle royale aspect, which is the central component of the Hunger Games, right? You were thinking of the thinking actual about, Hunger Games. <laughs> I was thinking of Katniss's story uh, and what I she think. went through and how she developed and the 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 uh, the resistance and all that shit that went out, you know, that, that went into the like the third book. It's like it wasn't about the battle anymore at that point, at least not in that sense. And maybe I actually thought of when Jim was talking about the troll with the camera crew. You know, it's like because in that last book, she has the camera crew rolling on because they're doing propaganda footage and stuff. It's like, it's, like, it's like I don't know, you know. But again, kind of a chosen one story. It's like you know, it's like what 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 works of fiction or myth or you know, I mean, it can be like obviously we can we can explore like uh, TV shows and movies and stuff as inspiration as well. That would make great models that are uh, contrary to the traditional approaches, and we could, we should think about that. If anybody's got any ideas, we want to talk about I'm further episodes. Still
4: saying in that adventure, I want to be the camera operator with, with being a weapons expert. Just saying.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Jim is like you know, it, it, <laughs> you get the right group, and you bring up the troll with the uh, you know entourage, and suddenly you got a bunch of people that want to play the entourage.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would be a great campaign with the right (laughs) (laughs) group. It's it's another reason I hate Shadowrun. Right? Is people show up with, well, how do I prove to everybody I'm the best character Mm. here? How do my numbers top everybody else's numbers? I think
0: mission oriented games are a challenge like that too, because and and D and D suffers from a certain amount of this because of its kind of class role breakdown, you know, archetypes, but. Uh, mission games are very much how is my niche set me apart and make my skills valuable to the team. So yeah. you know, in real life, when we have military units that go in and do a mission, most of them are trained in mostly the same shit. Yeah, your special forces yeah. guy, the six guys that go in, they have mostly the same profile skill. You may have a little bit of variance there. You got the one guy who's a little better at hacking something or you know, whatever, but. Yeah, it's mostly everybody has a certain solid, very broad skill set. That's not the way you build characters for a game,
2: (laughs) right? Well, D and D is essentially Delta Force, right? You've got these five specialists are going into a dungeon, and they're one guy can blow it up with magical fire, and the other guy kicks indoors. But you got to respect each other's gimmicks, right? Whatever somebody's gimmick is, and this is why I really hate clerics in D and D because they don't have a gimmick. (laughs) Their gimmick is.
0: Let it, me lick it, your wounds.
2: <laughs> yeah, let me lick your wounds. Let me give you plus one to the thing you're already doing. Let okay. me pray on this. What's
0: that? Let me pray on this. Let me pray on this.
2: Um, and there's ways to make clerics fun. I don't want to discount absolutely. them wholeheartedly. But you're
0: talking as a core I, construct, though. Yeah. As
2: a core concept. The paradigm of clerics is, is boring to me. Um, but if you've got a gimmick, whatever the thing is that you're doing, you're bringing a skill set to the table nobody else has. Right. And it's why I love, absolutely love spellcasters. Any kind of wizard thing, sorcerer. The utility spells in D&D, as an example, are so much fun. I don't want damage dealing spells. I want all the other stuff. I want tensors floating discs. Ever trip somebody with tensors floating discs? That's fantastic. <laughs> right?
4: That's why I love the bard. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, that's really good.
2: Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's what's upsetting about say that my session of Shadowrun is that this was my gimmick, right? I'm not hurting anybody by having this entourage. I'm having fun, and to say, oh, Jim's not allowed to have that gimmick because it threatens my character's identity.
0: Okay, so Whatever. I one of my playing a, a game. One of my high school games when I first got I first got my hands on Unearth Canna book for first edition. Uh, my 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 wife now, Jonica, one of my players at the table at the time, uh, writes up a Cavalier. Cavalier has retainers because you know this was first edition where (laughs) how complicated shit was to keep track of or manage wasn't important. Um, that was just your job to do it, and uh, immediately she started naming her retainers and giving them very specific roles. (laughs) This is what this guy did, and this would if something happened to one of the retainers. They mourned. (laughs) The other retainers mourned. She mourned. There was real, you know, a real connection. And I was like, this is what I get for having girls at my table. I I really felt like (laughs) we did a
4: new. I'm picturing Dark Crystal mourning. I'm sorry. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
3: gosh. That was great.
0: (laughs) Um, NBC's uh, Matter. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i was uh wondering about um because like uh you said that uh even though the campaign model behind a hunter games thing would be um battle royale the story ends up being uh the hero's journey but like um wouldn't that be true with any campaign model it could end up being the story told in that model could end up being some or some other model
0: most likely too. you're right I don't yeah even have there's it? It's a matter of what you kind of pick out of it, you know. You can focus in on the story of um, Odysseus being about a a king returning to his wife after 10 years and having to take out the other suitors and reclaim his throne. That can be the story that you focus on for your game, and then everything else is just an obstacle to get there. And if it has a very different tone at that point, even if it's basically the same arc. um, We just just weren't with the example, you know, that we we were kind of taken apart. That's a very good point. Um, the battle royale is an interesting one to me too because it's something I've never personally had much interest in. Uh, and here's so, here's something that actually you know, and it can drive me crazy just a little bit because I don't. And everybody's got different interests. You know, everybody responds differently to different things. I am not a huge fan of survival stories, uh, and that's. I mean, that I'm sure that affects the kind of stories I write and the kind of scenarios that I build that that people get into uh, when. Uh, The first time I got into a game that everybody around me was really into, and it was a post-apocalyptic survival scenario, I could not get away from that table fast enough at the end of the session each time. And it had nothing to do with everybody else and how they were playing their characters and how great this game master was or any of that. might have had a little bit to do with the fact that they were playing GURPS, but (laughs) personal preferences, right, aside... It could have been anything. And I just, I think that there's something about it that doesn't speak to me on the same level that I don't, you know, get into that. I don't always get into that, uh, watching or reading about it either. You know, there's something about the survival mechanic as your primary objective or your primary threat, um, challenge, obstacle. That drives me crazy. When Dark Sun first came out for second edition, everybody was talking about how great they, they loved this setting and how cool and interesting and different it was. But the primary, or initially anyway, the primary killer in this game was the environment. The whole premise of it was set up so that you as a, game, as, as a, as a group had to monitor your supplies very closely and make sure that you had what you needed to survive and, and play things right, or you just weren't even going to manage the harshness of this environment. Like, that's not a story I'm interested in telling. And maybe that's because I was young and wanted heroic stories, but I'm older and still want heroic stories. I guess, you know. So there's something about that. The battle royale is another thing to me. It's it, it feels like a survival story, you know. In the Hunger Games, when I when I first um, uh, before the movies were coming out, and uh, one of our friends was reading the books and was absolutely in love with them and kept talking about them and wanting to get me to read them because I read a lot of sci-fi stuff and futuristic stuff and um, uh, declining. So what are they called? Dystopian stuff. I like that because I like the undercurrents, I like the intrigue, I like the political stuff, I like how it affects the people. You know, those are what I think are great stories. But when he was talking about this, and the basic catalyst to this was a bunch of people getting into a hostile arena and trying to kill each other till you had one man survive. <laughs> I don't want to read that. That's not fun to me. I eventually read the series and fucking loved it. Let's I, I I say videos.
3: that's a terrible way to sell the series. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, but it wasn't untrue. And I think it kind of speaks to Jesse's point. It's a question of what you focus on as the arc of your story. Yeah. Um, and in the first first book, to be fair, that was the book of it. It wasn't the point, but it was the bulk of the story was that experience. The See, fact and that's that, not
3: what I would have focused on when telling you about The Hunger Games. No,
0: the fact that it was told from her perspective and that she was such an interesting character and it was well-written, that made a difference for me. You know, that, that brought it to life in a way that I've, I connected with. And then enjoyed watching the movies later more after I'd read the books, watch the movies again and going, oh, you know, now that I'm seeing this from, you know, in my head, I'm seeing this from her perspective and blah, 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 blah. I kind of like the choices they made here and don't like the choices they made there and whatnot. You guys know I'm kind of easy when it comes to movies. So <laughs> it, was
2: fucking kind of? it was great. I can't speak directly to hunger games because I know nothing about it, but you said battle Royal and there's a movie called battle Royal. It's mm-hmm. a Japanese film about high school students trying to stay alive, uh-huh. which mm-hmm. Eric wouldn't like. Um, <laughs> Possibly. Probably. I don't know. I, what it says to me is that role-playing games are not the well, way to engage in that. It's not the way to indulge that, if you will. Um, that's a board game to me. That's not a role-playing game. And that's why we end up having the, the hero's journey is so <laughs> prevalent, say 99% of role-playing games, because it's a personal endeavor. You're being you. If you were playing a battle royal board game, you'd be in charge of six different people, right? In order to make sure. And so that's not a role-playing game. That's not a hero's journey. You're just trying to survive. That's why Eric doesn't like it. A survival story is not a hero's journey. It's the opposite. Um, Cthulhu is the opposite of d d Your resources that you're going to have are X, and they get less as you play, not more.
0: Yeah, not a huge he, fan. It's
2: a hero's journey because <laughs> you're making more levels all the time. Remove the levels from d d and you have a uh, a lot more chance of writing a story that isn't a hero's journey.
0: Which and, and I've talked about the fact that I run a lot of different types of you know games that aren't that sure. you know premise, but I I definitely vie away from that for probably the reasons you just described.
1: Yeah, I think for a player storyteller like me, though, a battle royale as the uh, campaign model is great because it uh, signifies an end point so like whether the character dies or you get to the end of the battle royale there's an end to the campaign it's great hmm
0: so is Uh-oh. this a pvp game <laughs> just out of curiosity I, I think at some point it would turn into that right? Yeah, wouldn't it have to <laughs> yeah. it would have to um, last I'm, night was mm-hmm. the Royal Rumble,
2: by the way, the WWE Royal mm-hmm. Rumble. And okay. even friends have to turn on one another at the end of the, the thing because uh, only one guy can be left standing. Uh
0: and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's not great entertainment and it can be gripping, and I'm sure for, for people that really engage with that uh that, that type of uh story, that type of experience. I just don't uh, I just don't glom onto it very well uh for my what I personally want out of a gaming experience, obviously. And I do enjoy board games just fine, but obviously I don't approach them with the same Sort of personal connection, you know, for exactly that kind of reason. I mean, there's a lot of blurring the lines in some games out there now, and that's fine. I'm good with that. But I do, I do agree though. I do like the fact that, uh, because we're telling a very personal story, because it's, you know, each individual at the table is tied into their character, their character's role in events, their character's personal story. It, it does, um, replicate the hero's journey even when it isn't in a lot of ways. You know, it creates a lot of the same reward system for the players. And in our cases, we focus, um, at least some of us focus a lot on like psychodrama and character growth. I mean, there's those reward points could be a little fuzzier because they're not as defined as just getting the most money or, you know, the most renown or the biggest castle or whatever. Um yeah. And and I I love uh, genres that don't necessarily support it intrinsically. I just am not going to tell a survival story in deep space necessarily. I'm going to tell a horror story instead, one that the characters can escape from if they're really clever. Because I'm not a Cthulhu fan either, where everybody's eventually going to go crazy.
4: Into story. Oh,
3: come on, Cthulhu. I love it. Super fun. Or
4: paranoia for that. <laughs> My best friend. <laughs> now, paranoia. Are you really dead if you're not dead? Yeah. By the fifth or sixth clone, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, but as you experience up, you can buy more clones.
0: I don't know that that's a plus, but I, I, I like. But I'm more than happy to try it out, Rich. Don't ever think that I'm not excited to try stuff just because it's not my wheelhouse.
1: If we have another moment, uh, you will do what the computer tells you to do. Tad's list of, <laughs> of campaign models included vengeance, and I didn't. So, for one, uh, I was wondering people's ideas on how to make vengeance work as a campaign model with a ensemble of characters. But two, are there any? Literary resources we could point to to kind of use to help design a vengeance campaign model. Princess Hamlet. Bride.
0: Oh, Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> Hamlet's very personal. Yeah. Uh, Princess Bride's a little fuzzier than that. Yeah, vengeance, that's true. Vengeance. Is one it. it has
3: vengeance, but it's not the focus. But it's one person. But it uses that as a character.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanos. Right. Uh, yeah.
2: Everybody wants a piece of Thanos because he's he's Cause hurt he's so many fucked people. Fucked up in his everything. Yeah. And that's uh, comic book or movie. Mm-hmm.
0: And That's ensemble, you know. That's but yeah. that's the example there is really yeah. good because you're talking about a motive for vengeance that um, is broad enough to affect a group of people. And that's um, that's the premise that you'd want it for a ensemble story. Obviously, is if you're wanting to focus on I I I could think of. I mean, I did think of a book actually that came immediately to mind, but. It's not mainstream enough to even, you guys know it if I mentioned it, probably. I mean, it's like uh, Tigana by Guy Gabriel Kay is a good example. Um, it's a story in which the, it is one of those where you kind of have a little bit of um, the sympathetic for the bad guys in it, but it's because the bad guy isn't really a bad guy. He just did a really bad thing in retaliation for his son's death at the hands of the prince of another nation, and he decided to punish all the people of that nation. And now the people that are the leaders of that nation will revenge on him. But he's actually done good in the world since then. It just, you know, they're still going to get their revenge. That's the whole story. Uh, the whole motive for everything they're doing. And that's the characters you follow in the story. And they're presumably good people, too. But again, you're talking about motives that are more personal than simply right or wrong. Or, you know, that, that's one of the things with revenge. It's, it's, it's a dark concept to kind of follow because it can lead you down very irrational roads um and to 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 dark results you know depending on what your story is about but it's not um in and of itself necessarily requiring the uh core conflict to be you know questions of good or evil or right or wrong it's just these people have or feel wronged and have a need to overcome that of course if you're going to make it nice and heroic you want it to be about right and wrong of course
2: i've got it 47 ronin
0: oh good one
2: 47 run and that's your ensemble vengeance story right (laughs) of course
0: look at the way that one ends
2: yeah yeah of course i think all all vengeance stories need to end with both people dying right oh god you don't have anything to do once you got your vengeance
0: that's a very powerful story too and of course the japanese are really good at that but
2: I've run a ton of vengeance campaigns. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. But you you have to establish at the very beginning. Okay. In your background, you need to write why you want to kill this guy. And you've got to tell them, okay, the guy's name is Bob, Bob the Builder, and you want him dead because who doesn't want <laughs> Bob the Builder dead? And then that's how these characters found one another is they're all on the same path of vengeance.
1: I've got it. Interesting. Can we
2: kill him? Yes,
4: we can. What? What you got?
1: Uh, okay. So you play a quick murder hobo campaign, right? And then the Vengeance, the the campaign model Vengeance, uh, they are trying to take vengeance on the murder hobo heroes for the last campaign. <laughs> oh,
4: <yeah. laughs> oh, no. oh, that's fantastic. The people who ran through terrorizing the towns, yeah. they're on the chase to find them. Yeah.
2: Nice. <laughs> and you know how powerful those characters are mm-hmm. because you just played them. So you know what you're up against.
4: Oh, there's your, that's there's scary. your
2: dread right there.
4: Right.
1: Oh, Lordy, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they're still leveling. <laughs> That's good
0: stuff.
1: And, and then, like, the, the stakes are, like, uh, of course you're not going to get your vengeance if you die, but then uh, if you die, you come back as, like, a troubled spirit still trying for vengeance, just like the stakes are maybe you're just an undead questing for eternal vengeance. Oh,
2: no. I just tried to write run that story at a convention using 5E, and that was a really bad idea because the people showing up for 5E games... right? Are they're not looking for that level of story, they just want to know what the mission is and go and kill something. But the characters had been brought back from the dead at the very beginning of the session, and then they were trying to remember what it is that they wanted. They were having these flashbacks because the ritual didn't go
0: right. That's why I try to tell people who come to conventions you know, make sure you read the pitches when you're signing up for games because, yeah, that is so important to understand, understand some expectation of what you're getting into, especially because. Almost, nobody at our at our like our convention runs like Adventures League stuff. If you're coming to play D and D to Sanamicon, not anymore. I mean, there wasn't any this year. I don't think.
3: I thought there was. Maybe I remember wrong.
0: Um, if there was, there was one. I mean, it just wasn't a thing. Right. I mean, we, we went to like you know we went up the street to Midwest Game Fest and they had a whole bunch of it. I mean, that's that's the thing. Uh, we we're, we're, most of our people that were running like D and D games had like their own idea of a thing that wasn't you know what you would expect at all. And um, fortunately, there weren't that many D&D games on the schedule. And I say fortunately because I think uh, it's really exciting to me to see people try different things. And a lot of people that come out to a convention do, consequentially.
1: I learned but. from when I ran Kobolds that uh, I don't ever want to put the game system in my pitch if I'm running a game at a convention. I'm not going to put this is a such and such game because... It's probably not. I'm running it. So I don't want anybody to <laughs> come to the table expecting to play. You can
0: you can put that in there. It's like, you know, this is a hybrid game or a homebrew game. You know, make sure that you kind of like drive any expectations. Because that's the thing. What you don't want, though, is to drive people away from even looking at your game because they look at it and go, I don't even know what system this is. Because there's a lot of people that are going to want that piece of information even if they don't realize that it's not necessary. And probably- some that don't. I yeah. probably
1: can't run a game. I can't run a good game for those people. So <laughs> maybe I don't uh, want them <laughs> coming maybe, to my table. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, uh, well,
0: I hope we. I mean, we've been out for quite a while here, and I mean, I could probably talk for another hour or two with Jim sitting here because mm-hmm. uh, we have no much opportunity right? lately. But uh, I probably better let everybody get to their Sundays here. Um, is there anything on this topic or the other topic anybody has that they wanted to make sure and mention? Cool.
1: Not that I can think
0: of. Assamtees.shop. Cool. I,
1: I right, we didn't have a tea hour. And also, I'd like to point out that uh, both Jim and Vanessa got out of the uh, Everybody Pitch Game Right Now uh, challenge, somehow. <laughs>
3: Okay. Do, do you want me to pitch one? <laughs> of course I, I do. I totally can. I, mean, I think <laughs> Jim <laughs>
0: does it all the time, professionally.
3: Right. <laughs> okay, so, so hey, my game pitch, yeah. and I've talked about this, but I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, is having humdrum characters, everyday life, and when they go to sleep, they're transported to another reality, and it would be a world-building game where the world is created out of their dreams.
4: That could be fun. <laughs> yes. Uh, you don't want to work created out of my dreams.
0: <laughs> I think <I'd,
3: laughs> your I'd, character's dreams. Going your into it, I would dreams. have questions. Oh yeah, of course. But
4: yeah, it's kind of interesting. That's got a
2: lot of "don't rest your head" <laughs> elements yeah. to it, which I, I like where you're going with it. Um, But you've got to have improv world building stuff at the beginning of it.
3: Exactly. Uh, it would yeah. it would have to start with some sort of world building.
2: Yeah, and a <laughs> lot of prompts to start the questions. Tell <laughs> me about the dream you had about the three eyed monster.
3: Exactly.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah, and Vanessa reads a lot of indie game books. She she buys PDFs like crazy and just...
3: I have so many PDFs in my drive-thru.
0: They're just, yeah, various...
4: Uh, they better be mine, Vanessa.
1: I have <laughs> some of be yours, mine. too.
4: <laughs> Got a large library, about a quarter of Jim Pinto's, yes.
1: My drive-thru is only Jim Pinto. I, I don't even go to drive-thru to look at other games. I have them send
3: me their emails for daily sales, and sometimes those get interesting. <laughs> So I started
2: doing a thing, by the way. I don't know how much time we have. I want to tell this story. No, I started doing yeah, this thing it. where I go on drive through and I look at somebody's free preview PDF. Mm-hmm. Why well, my mouth isn't working anymore. <laughs> um, they, they have everybody gives a free preview of their PDF of what you're going to get, mm-hmm. and so I'll pick one at random, I'll download that, and I will review that in the context of is this a useful preview? What would make me want to buy this or not want to buy this? And I've been doing it, I don't know, maybe six months now. And when I started doing it, I was doing one a day, and I just couldn't keep up with that pace. That's fair, but. Somebody recommended I I look at something recently, and I was so sad going through that PDF because the cover was great, the pitch was great, and then page after page. Did you read it, Rich? Did you read my I, review?
4: I, I read your review. Yeah, yeah. and just I the remember. deeper
2: I got into that free PDF, the less I wanted to play that that product, and oh, to the no. point that I just I stopped reading. I didn't even. Review the last six pages. Take it to
4: the last page. Yeah.
2: Um, but there's, I think that that's a, a skill that people should be developing when they're looking at products is, is, and people that are making products too should probably develop this skill. That what pages thinking, do I want people to see? Yeah. Right. What's my best foot forward? And um, what am I looking for in this free PDF preview that's going to convince me that this is something I want? Because I don't need to see a page that tells me about the X card. Right. That should not be in your no, preview. Right. PDF. Everybody knows what the X card is. Unless that's what your
4: PDF is, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. your your preview PDF should be your best foot forward. What's the page you want people to see? And it should be about 10% of your actual book. I so think that people, people
0: are, I think people forget that it's just a marketing tool. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: You know, they, they yeah. um, people that put that, you know, put those products up, you know, more often than not, are thinking in terms of what showcases the style or feel of this or something, and mm-hmm. they aren't thinking about the fact that this is just a marketing tool. This isn't the product. Yeah, you know, so you're. I think they're afraid to give it.
2: away good pages. Right, I think they're. And I'm the victim of it too, right? I'm not a master. I don't give away good pages because I don't think about it half the time. I just want to move on. I've got other games to make. But if you've only got one game out there, your preview PDF better be good.
1: That's a good point. Speaking of presenting products, how about that OGL? (laughs) Oh Lord, do
3: you really want to open that can of worms? one01 no, That's why I
4: was. Teasing. Same as it's always been. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to see here. Latest Let's news is on. nothing new. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, we have a, a second option of Creative Commons now.
0: Uh, well, for like the SRD, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's it. That's the other thing. there is to know. I'm, now. <laughs> I'm happy for everybody
0: that it really matters to. Yeah. If that's if that's what they wanted, I I find it interesting that we have so much community out there that are so toxic that it's like. You know what, you know, now that they've done everything we wanted them to do in making a big stink about this, I still won't support them.
4: Yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry, if you just got what you wanted, (laughs) and now you're not going to support them. What was the purpose of you even being involved? Yeah,
0: The purpose was to air their grievance with the entire concept in the first place. You didn't want to be supportive in the first place. Internet
4: trolling, you're just going to hate everything.
0: I hate. I was, I hate. I I don't care. Jim is right there. He can hear you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't care two cents about the, the OGL because I don't publish anything. Doesn't, I don't you don't use D&D. it. Yeah, I don't care. But what I what I found fascinating about the, the end is when, OK, look, we're going to put this part into the creative commons. We're going to put this into the SRD. This is still protected by the OGL. There were people out there that had to stand up and say, you're still not giving enough away for free. Right. And wow. I just thought yeah, that, that that blew my mind. What? I mean, you're pirating the PDFs anyway. What do you care? <laughs> the only people that should have an opinion about the OGL should be the people publishing product. They're the only ones allowed to have an opinion about this because it affects their wallets.
0: And a lot of the indignation out there was in, in deference to that population, that that particular group. And that was that was fine. But, yeah, writing, you know, we all know how outrage works. <laughs> and, we, and we all know that, you know, uh, this particular company is the big target and that it's a large corporation and blah, blah, blah.
2: You they know, were beloved. They were beloved right? by so many people until this happened. Crazy. And <laughs> this is this is standard PSR pattern, right? Let's win everybody's love and then let's do something really stupid to try to make more money than we're already making. It's a hobby. Anything you're making is gravy. That's how hobbies work, and they're trying to apply this industry model, this factory model mm-hmm. to this creative endeavor, and it just doesn't make
0: any. This uh, so stupid. Shareholder mm-hmm. focused yeah. kind of support strategy. So. Uh, yeah, I like I said, I, I, we we I, talked about it when we felt like we had to talk about it because everybody was talking about it. You know, and that was literally the, the title of my episode but, is everyone
4: else doing it. My trust so. was broken when they came out with second edition. So I'm still <laughs> I mean My Lord this, this doesn't really affect me i have been holding on to this grudge for thirty five years. <laughs> <laughs> they killed my they, boy. They they cleaned up the Gygaxian. What the heck?
0: <laughs> we we play in the high Gygaxian. We we play D and D if we want to play D and D. Plain and simple. You know, it's just yeah. it's a it's a game. We've bought it, we have it, whatever. Uh, we have a lot of other options too. It's just what we do. And it's what, you know, what we talk oh, about on the show is
3: stuff.
0: we, we try to be um, system agnostic to a certain degree. in what we talk about on the show, because we're talking about role-playing as a, as a high art, we're talking about role-playing as an immersive experience. Obviously after 11 years, it's hard to come up with new things to talk about in that particular, you know, venue and our own games are going to be the fodder for our talk. So what we're playing at the time is always going to be represented at some level, but Um, I don't feel any uh, pain from all of this. You know, I didn't when it was going on, and I don't now that it's reached whatever level of conclusion it has. Um, And I'm not terribly surprised, I guess, in the end. I mean, I was a little surprised at the 1,000% backpedaling, but that's, you know, that, that was just because... That felt like the weird choice, the right choice, I guess, but the weird choice. Maybe,
2: maybe that's why it was such a big deal, right? There's a lot of young people playing DD. This is the first time a game industry, a game company has hurt them. We've been hurt so many times in our lives oh, by yeah. these companies. <laughs> it, okay. Oh, yeah. look, this is nothing to Citadel, right? To Games Workshop. They do this stuff <laughs> every year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need to write my 17th letter to Fantasy Flight for the year. Let me think. Um, oh, Lord. you know, like, yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, there's a, it, and we have this, I think part of it is because we get so emotionally kind of connected to the indie publishers that we, that we find that we love, um, and the work that they put out, you know, your August soft included, obviously at some level, Jim, you know, um, we want to be supportive of those people in the industry and those people who are bringing such great and creative material into the industry, or in some cases, not great and not creative material but they're trying, I guess, you know, whatever you want to support, whatever you want to put your energy behind. And when you can't have that kind of emotional connection to the company, that's making all these waves and doing all these things because they're so far outside of bounds. They're so far outside of that paradigm. It feels like a violation anyway. And it's like, you know, people don't love wizards of the coast. Anyway, they love D and D or they don't people love small publishers. That's different. Right, you know, uh, it's a different kind of relationship, and uh, I'm glad it's done what it's done and brought us what it has. And I mean, the OGL has definitely, you know, presented opportunities and served a purpose and brought more gaming to people and more stuff out there. But you know, ninety eight percent of people start with D anD D anyway, <laughs> so it's a matter of finding something after that. I don't know. I maybe I'm cynical, but um, I I've taken lessons from Jim over the years, and. <laughs> how to be cynical i'm trying to be better okay. cynic jim
4: <laughs> you have to go to the master i mean, i'm, I'm
0: failing you have to go to the
3: master.
0: <laughs> um but uh you know i don't know i really uh just enjoy talking about gaming and i figure I've, i don't have to pay royalties to anybody to for my free podcast that makes no money to do that i'm happy.
1: I've I've learned from Jim that there's actually a place for me in the tabletop community, which is kind of cool. Like as a Aww. as someone who focuses on the improv storytelling part of it, it's sometimes hard to feel like I fit in with D and D players. So there's that. Yeah,
0: we've had that conversation. Yeah, I mean, you got to the point where you didn't feel like this was like you connected with the game that other people are playing. You know, and uh, try different things. That's all you can ever do, right? Try different things and you find something ignore that you can ignore the
4: with. gatekeepers. There's, There's nothing inside that city you wanted to have anyway. Walk we, around. We have circled back to
2: the first thing we said, which is the social contract and who you're gaming with is more important than the system you're playing.
0: Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Um, all right. Well everybody go. Thank you so much for joining us for episode number two hundred and eighty seven, I think, Metagamers Anonymous. Thank you very much for joining us today, Jim. I appreciate you being here. And yeah, that was fun. It was, it was a, a surprise for me. Surprise. Too. Nice. Um, I know who to blame.
3: <laughs>
0: and we're going to have words. No, um, it's coming out of your check.
1: <laughs> and thank you, Tad, for I like writing having me words a letter. Jesse.
0: Yes, thank you yeah, very thank much, you. Tad. Appreciate, it. I appreciate uh, it. Everybody have a fantastic week. My name is Eric. I'm
1: Rich. I'm Vanessa. I'm Jess. I'm
0: the secret person. You are still secret
1: write me more don't letters have
0: a clue don't have a clue who you are you're not you ready